Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Thanks, Lynn. Well, I don't know if you know this about me, but um, I've got a confession to make. I'm actually not a ninja. I don't know if you thought that I was. Okay. It's true. I'm not a ninja. Um, I can't flip. I can't bounce off buildings. I can't really do any martial arts. In fact, my seven-year-old Sonny, I can't really wrestle him anymore without someone getting hurt. Um, Normally it's me because I won't hurt him. I do know karate, though, and about two other Japanese words. I'm not a ninja. And I know for certain that I'm not a ninja because one of the places that I get nervous, it just kind of is a voluntary nervousness, is when I'm in dark places. I don't like them. I remember earlier in the year um, we went on a trip to Dublin and on Sunday night, it was about 8 o'clock at night and it was the big, you know, Coles complex and I've gone in under the undercover park at 8 o'clock and I did not like it. Even like as a fully grown adult, you know, who I'm not past it. I'm the kind of, I reach into my pocket and I grab my keys and I put one key in between each, like I've got some kind of knuckle duster ready to defend my, I'm not a ninja, I've already said it. Now, I'm being a little bit silly, a lot bit silly, but... That picture of being in darkness, it's quite understandable that it's something that we just wouldn't like. It's not a comfortable place to be. This psalm is so well known and it ought to be uh, because of what it says. But right at the heart of this psalm is a picture, one of the pictures of how we experience life. A picture of a, of a dark valley or the valley of the shadow of death is probably the way that we understand it. That's footnoted now in the NIV, but the valley of the shadow of death, the darkest valley, this place of darkness. And when we're in darkness, it often feels like that that's all that we can see. Keep going, Adam. As things and circumstances happen to us in life, it can get to the point where it feels like everything about life is a place of darkness, an unsettling, shadowy kind of existence. It can happen as we're uncertain of the future, uncertain of where we stand in relationship to 
a whole bunch of things where we stand in, in relationship with other people, where we stand in our jobs, all kinds of uncertainty. An even bigger, more existential kind of uncertain of just where we fit in the world. I remember this quite vividly from my first year at high school when I was all of 12 years old and being bullied at school, being um, had to go into the change rooms with all the boys. Girls went off to theirs, the boys went off to theirs. You had to put on a different T-shirt to do PE class. I remember being singled out for being the chubby kid and had the shirt that I'd just taken off, taken off me and being whipped with it like it was a tea towel while I bumbled around and wobbled around with my little chubby body. And it's not... I can laugh at it now, but it was awful. That same year, I remember being left out of a soccer game and crying my way into the deputy's um, office after lunch because I couldn't front up to the people that had treated me that way. I remember from high school watching my friends' parents break up and go through go through that and, and the kind of the way that their demeanour changed from being kind of happy and settled to being quite distant and nervous about life. I originally gave this talk to to a uh, a bunch of teenagers on the north coast. So that's why I've got examples from that part of my life. But we can think about this kind of stuff through all of our life. We can probably make examples of just what we've experienced in the last few months. You could very well have experienced this stuff that happens because we're in such a broken world. Maybe for you and your family, there's been moments of darkness where where just the monotony of what's going on feels like a bit of a black hole. When life is really monotonous, it really does wear on us. I mean, there's some aspect of life where there's predictability and routine that's actually quite helpful. When it's just the same all the time, that can be quite depressing. Even just that threat that there's this virus around, that we can become ill, that we might catch this thing. Even sleepy old Evan's head on Sunday two weeks ago, someone was here with it. We get worried about this kind of stuff. But when we do, we've got to remember that this is only half of one verse of Psalm 23. Because it doesn't say, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's just taking one little step back. But it's the perspective that makes all the difference. Now, it's easy to say anyone from any group, you know, it doesn't have to be a Christian thing to say, gain a bit of perspective and you will get there. And you will get a better picture of things. That's just, that's just generally true. But I don't want you to hear it that way because this is, this is in God's mercy. This is for us that it is ultimately true, eternally true. David was able to write, even though. Because you really, people who are in the valley of the shadow of death, people who are in the darkest valley, they don't sit there and write poems, do they? They might etch angry pictures, but they don't write poems. 
And so he's writing this not at the bottom of the pit, but he's writing this to someone who's been there. But he, he knows that reality might be more than just what meets the eye or just what we experience. Now, we know this. More than one thing can easily be true at the same time. Like KFC is delicious and it's deadly. Like it fills your heart up with, you know, bad stuff. I don't even understand. You just got to drive past that place because we know that both those things are true. It's delicious, but it's really bad for you. We can experience this where, you know, we might be oh, desperate for a coffee, but we just don't have that five bucks in our pocket. But in the other pocket, there's like a $1,200 iPhone. Two things, true at the same time. It seems like such a contradiction. So we've actually got to step back even further. Let's step back. See, David says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. How can he say that? Why would he say that? Because he knows that God is there. Because he knows that God is there. For you are with me, he says. Now for King David, he had a special relationship with God as God's king. A relationship that was built on trust, built on love, on God giving him his spirit. The way that we experience it as Christians to have received God's spirit it's not spoken of that like that in the Old Testament times. And David's, you know, anointed with God's spirit kind of uniquely. That's quite relatable for us. See, for us in Jesus and in the gospel, we know, we know in our hearts, we know in, in our minds and in our hearts that God has stepped into our darkness. He's stepped into our darkness and brought light. And by the Holy Spirit, we know that God is with us wherever we go. And we know this because we've got his word. We come to this. This is here for us to put centrally in our life, God's word speaking into our life, giving us, opening us up to the perspective that we need to not despair, to not fear Evil. The last little part of that, verse 4, is a great picture of how God does it. It's, a, it's the shepherd picture. Your little graphic will come up here. He talks about the rod, the rod that protects, hitting off the predators, the, the staff that pulls in, that leads us, that, that stops us from going the wrong way. God's word is like that. God's word is like that for us. And so when we step back again, what, this is such an awesome part of scripture. He guides me along right paths. He guides me along right paths. Thanks, Adam. There we go. At the end of verse 3. See, when we live with Jesus as Lord... We trust him. We trust him to save us and we keep on learning how he wants us to live 
and we live that way. Now, you kind of got to ask a question, though. I don't know whether you've picked this up so far. Because David's quite confidently saying, he guides me along the right paths. And then look at verse 4. Even though I can walk through the darkest valley. How is it that we could be in the darkest valley and being led along the right paths? Can you see that? You see what it's saying there? Isn't there a typo in this? You know, punctuation is very important. Punctuation saves lives. But there's no typo here. David is saying something that the Bible is very clear on, quite helpfully clear on, something that's very difficult for us to understand, but something that is so necessary for us to be aware of. God leads us through dark places. Now let's just be clear what God does do and what he doesn't do. Does God cause people to sin against us? Does he lead them to sin? No, God does not do that. But does God allow people to sin against us? Yeah, he does. He allows it. Does God cause us to experience pain? Well, no, he doesn't. But does he allow it? Yes, he does. And so we think, does God possibly lead us to where we'll be sinned against and where we will experience pain? He does. But does God want us Desire for us to be in pain and suffering. No, he doesn't. And is this hard to understand? Yeah. You bet it is. Talk to anyone that's been a Christian for longer than you and they'll tell you about this. They'll be able to testify to this, to testify to the reality of it, that God leads us through these things, but they'll be able to testify that God leads us through these things. And they'll be able to testify that it's difficult to understand. And so this is really where God's word is like that staff that guides us because it guides us to understand his character. This is not something that you can completely resolve. You can't write a book about it or an essay about it that will, that will get to the bottom of it, except to show and prove that God is truly in control and that God is truly good. And so then we know and believe and trust that we in him are safe, safe to follow him as he leads us. Do you know the way that God walks beside you in difficulty and darkness? Can you testify to that? What struck me out of the 2020 lockdown that started last year 
was how many of you guys, how many of us came out of that time and were able to say how refreshing it was to be able to talk about how encouraged they were, how they got back into their Bible, how they really grew through that time. Really a lot of testifying of God being in control. And it was so encouraging to hear. How are you now? To have it kind of slammed on you again and, 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 when, and when you kind of felt like it was all over. I mean, this is, this is what I've been through. How has this most recent and new season been for you? You know, some of us will be able to testify of pretty much the same kind of thing. That, oh, it was a breath of fresh air. It really helped me to, to kind of slow down for a bit and, and that, that meant that I was praying more and, and, and really relying on God more. If you can testify to that as being your experience, then please talk about it because that's so encouraging to hear. And if you can't testify to that this time around, then please talk about it. If it's been a period of, of darkness... We, we can confidently say from God's word that we, that doesn't mean that we haven't been led by God. It doesn't mean that in any way. And we should not be put off by the fact that some of us will have been grown out of this season because as a family of believers, we're here to share one another's burdens. We're here to pray with and for each other. Because what is true and what David affirms here is that we are in the hands of our good God. And God leads us into and through this stuff because of what he will do through it. It's part of how we grow. In the New Testament, in the letter of Hebrews, uh, we read these amazing words. They'll come up on the screen. As he's concluding his letter, the writer of Hebrews says this, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate and not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good, in order that we might share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. What a rich exhortation that is. What perspective that gives to us. Let's step back again. Let's take in all of this psalm now. Notice what is there. Next slide, Adam. Take it in. This is talking of God's goodness. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. David can proclaim. We can proclaim. Look at all the places that he talks about. Sure, there's the darkest valley, but there's green pastures as well. There's a table in front of my enemies. There's the house of the Lord that goes on forever. See, God is with David wherever he is. 
God is with us wherever we are and never leaves our side. Not only that, look at this psalm. It begins well and it ends well. It begins well and it ends well. Just like the life of Jesus began well and ended well. Just like the Bible begins well and ends well. Why would what's been promised to us be any different? When we receive Christ, it begins well. Where we're filled with joy and love, knowing that we've been saved. And it ends well because we're caught up with Christ and his eternal promises. How exactly is God with us? For David, it was in his promises, promises that ultimately he would provide a perfect king who ruled forever. David lived through an era where he constantly had other nations as his enemies and it meant there was never any time of peace for him. Yet he knew that in the middle of that, his relationship with God meant that there was green pastures. As the king of a nation constantly under attack, he could write that. Because... Of God. For us who are in Christ, that good shepherd is the person of Jesus. John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus makes it so clear. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And that good shepherd did that for us, rose to life, left us his spirit and gave us his word. So what should we do about that? Well, I've narrowed it down to four things this morning. It's always time for us to grow our relationship with Jesus. Thanks, Adam. We've got to get to know his goodness all the time, no matter what our circumstances, pursue knowing his goodness. That has got to really be centred around reading his word and being in prayer with him. Uh, Through one of our times on Zoom together, we were encouraged about a little app that's come out that helps people to do that. I've started to use it. Maybe you have too, just to promo it a little bit. It's called Lectico365. If that makes it easier for you, Go for it. But there's no end to kind of devotional Bibles or devotional books or things like that. Share it around. I've emailed stuff out at different points. Just encourage each other to be in God's Word. Keep regular at church. Now that we can be back, let's not be lackadaisical about it. Let's be regular. If you're in a gospel community, be well-connected. So that that truly is a community within our church of, of people, not just something you go to but connected with. If you're a teenager, be part of the youth group and connected, committed to it. In every situation, just like that psalm talks about, be prayerful in the green pastures and in the dark valleys. 
near streams, be refreshed. And when you're in the valley, remember the goodness of God. And that kind of leads us into the second point, that in the darkness, we've got to remember to not despair. As we implant that word further and deeper into our life, hopefully the effect will be that that those words, even though, ring so loudly and bring us such hope. Because life does go through darkness. God leads us through those things. No matter how obscure life forgets. See, when I was being bullied as a year sevener, I tried a bunch of things. I tried to be a complete clown. I'd get on the school bus on the ride from here to Woodburn and I'd try to, you know, be the funniest kid on the bus so that people would at least, if they were going to give me any attention, it would be to laugh, not to have a go at me. I tried making different friends. But at the end of Year 7, that's when I became a Christian. That's when the whole Jesus died on the cross for me thing, it, it exploded to life. And that was the life changer. Knowing in that darkness that the gospel is real and living hope. Not just, a, not just a ticket to heaven, not just a theoretical thing, but it is powerful living hope. And if that's where you are right now, if you're here this morning and you're in one of those kind of deep pits, and all you can hear from this today is to know this that God is still in control, he's still good, and he won't stop loving you. If you're here and you're not a Christian, then the implication is very clear that this kind of hope that that goes beyond just kind of a worldly hope is on offer, but it's tied to accepting Jesus' offer. And we cannot find this kind of hope outside of God. And the reason that that is so true is because it's Jesus that went into that darkest place. It's Jesus that went into that darkest valley to truly experience that on our behalf. So that what we experience of it is sheltered by what he did. It's for you. He did it for you so that you don't have to. And so if that's not something that you've really accepted personally before, there's an invitation there to accept what Jesus has done and to keep believing in it. And just finally, the fourth thing is, if you can kind of if you listen to all this and you kind of think I'm kind of not in the darkness and I've kind of had a pretty cushy kind of life and I don't really despair that much. Well, I think the invitation is actually to really have the heart of God. See, some of us will be pretty okay most of the time. And maybe to really talk about this makes you uncomfortable and you might find it all a little bit weird. You might even kind of think, oh, why are those kind of people so depressed all the time? It's not hard to find yourself with those kind of thoughts. Now, 
that idea of, of, of having real dark times in life, you know, not really affect us so much, the older that we get, really, it's probably unlikely. But even if that's the case, you don't have to scratch very far into the lives of other people to find people that are really full of despair. And you know what? Our society is well aware of this, but we just deal with it in such a, a kind of insufficient ways. It's through, you know, escaping. It's through looking to buy our way out of problems with wealth. It's through developing science and technology to try to get past these problems. Just look at the COVID thing. What's our country done? Well, we kind of paid our way out of the problem with things like job keepers and, and that kind of stuff, try to make sure everyone can stay home but not, not go broke. We've put our hope in the vaccines, which is science and technology. We've gone crazy as a nation, looking for more comfortable homes to live in or doing renos on our home, trying to do things to just make life more comfortable. Now, I'm not saying that this is what you do. Maybe you have to some extent. I don't know. I personally have kind of done some of this kind of stuff. You know, I bought the um, comfortable office chair and, and I got a bigger TV and I got a new bike when the government put money in my bank, sure. It's just kind of the natural way that we behave. But what's going on outside of, of the lives of believers, just in the lives of Australians, is putting hope in all that kind of stuff. And you know what? It's misplaced. It's misplaced. So if you can kind of can't really relate to the valley of darkness or the shadow of death thing, we really you got to think: is that because you kind of just go along and you're more Australian than you are Christian, because you kind of shield yourself the way that most people do? Maybe that explains at least you at some times or part of your life. If it is, no the goodness of God's forgiveness and, and, and just come back. But more importantly, if you haven't really experienced that or if you're not there right now, recognise that what God has done for you isn't just for you. What God does for us isn't just for us. Because as we look at a world that, that deals with the darkest valley of life in really insufficient ways, well, we're not to stand in judgment over them. We would be just like them apart from mercy shown to us. We're not to bemoan them or despair over them. We're called to be light in that darkness. We're called to be light to them. It's just like what God does in our life through the gospel, through growing us, is to charge us up so that we're bright lights in a dark world. Just those last few points. I want to invite you to just take a quiet moment of prayer and reflection for yourself. 
And in that time, just pray for yourself. Whatever is most relevant to you. And then I'll close us off in prayer in just a moment. Let's pray. Lord, you're our shepherd, and Lord, in you we lack nothing. Lord, you make us to lie down in green pastures. You lead us beside still waters, and you refresh our souls. Father, Lord, let that be true of our time together now. Lord, let that be true of our lives this week. Lord, you guide us along the right paths for your glory. And, Lord, even though that will take us through the darkest valleys, Lord, we know that we fear no evil because you're with us. Your rod and your staff comfort us. So, Father, for whatever we really needed to hear from your word this morning, Lord, give us the humility to accept it the deep awareness of your grace to receive it. And, Lord, the power of your spirit to live in accordance with it. Lord, you prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. You anoint us. Lord, surely your goodness and love follows us all the days of our lives and we're destined to dwell in your house forever. Lord, let us be filled with this hope. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.